Welcome to the Book Hub, an online event space hosted by Luther Seminary. This episode from the Grace and Gigabytes book launch features the author Ryan Panzer and guest Stephanie Williams O'Brien. So again, I'm so thrilled you're here today. I'm excited to learn from our presenters. Let's get right into it with Pastor Stephanie Williams O'Brien. And I have the honor of introducing uh, uh, Pastor Steph. I first heard of her from her excellent book, Stay Curious, How Questions and Doubts Can, can Save Your Faith. Uh, she is the lead pastor at Mill City Church in Northeast Minneapolis. And she also teaches courses for Bethel University and, and Seminary. Uh, she also is a, is a podcaster, uh, co-hosting the, the podcast Lead Stories with her friend, Joe Saxton. It's available wherever podcasts are, are, um, are available, wherever you get your podcasts. There we go. So with that, I'd like to introduce Pastor Steph uh, to explore that first digital age value with us, the importance of asking questions. Yeah, absolutely. I am just so thrilled to, to be here and it's been really fun to collaborate with you on this book, Ryan, and here it is, holding it. It's just a miracle. Um, I gather that Ryan might be a little bit like me and sitting down long enough to write this and not being with people was maybe a challenge. And so this is a miracle right here. Look at all these words are in this book. And um, I just could not agree more with how important this conversation is. And I, we were talking about this before 2020 and everything that came with 2020. And I thought it was important then. And I certainly feel that it is important now. And so I thought I would just do a, a couple of things um, in this idea of the importance of asking questions and just love the, the opening here about the, the specifically looking at the, the first section of the book, asking our own questions, a church that silences questions and moving into a future church that celebrates questions. I, I am someone who is the product of a church that silenced questions and hopefully leading a church that embraces and leads people into questions. And as someone who identifies myself as an elder millennial, so if anyone's wondering out there, I'm 37, almost 38. So I am an elder millennial. So all of the younger millennials are the ones that I remind about phones that used to have jacks into the wall and things like that, that they don't know about. But as an elder millennial, I like to think that I'm bridging, my, bridging the gap between these two realities of the past and the future when it comes to the role that technology has within the church. And uh, it, it's just so important. I love what, what Ryan says just in the beginning right away, where he's talking about how achieving clarity and vision for the church within our tech-shaped culture is not about launching a polished website, starting a hip new social media strategy, or building a trendy mobile app. And I bet some people get there and they think, no, Ryan, it is about that. And that's why I'm discouraged because I don't know how to build a trendy app and I have no idea what to do about the polished website. And as soon as I polish my website, it seems like that needs to be repolished. And also I don't know what to do about being a social media savvy person. And I'm just here to tell you that I completely agree with Ryan. I absolutely agree that thinking about what it means to engage a culture is the missiology work that we do as people who love people. We're always trying to come into cultures that are not our own and try to understand the languages that they speak and the perspectives that they have. This is the deep work of being people on mission that we've done for hundreds of years in many different cultures. And here we are doing it now in this culture, this tech-shaped culture, as Ryan puts it. And it's so important for us to embrace that calling, even if you don't think of yourself as tech-savvy or don't think of yourself as someone who uh, naturally gravitates towards technology. Now, I will admit that I am someone who naturally gravitates toward te towards technology. And so I do come to it with that lens. But what I want to encourage you is, as someone who is an elder millennial, 
who loves technology. I don't need you to love it to understand where I'm coming from. And I don't need you to be great at it for it to be a tool that actually really connects with me in an authentic way, which is a high value for my generation and the generation behind me is just that sense of authenticity. So I thought I'd start out with a couple things. I thought I'd share just a little bit about what I learned because I'm always thinking about curiosity and what does it mean to ask questions? What did I learn by embracing 2020 as best as I could with everything that came with 2020 as a lead pastor of a church that doesn't have a church building, mind you, what did I do? How did I, what have I been learning and what questions have I been asking? Um, just to encourage you in this idea of the importance of asking questions, I thought, hey, why don't I bring to you some of the questions that I that I asked when it came to this year. Um, so uh, I, I'll, I'll share with, with you a couple of those things. And then I actually want to share with you one experiment that we tried that I thought would be helpful just as like a final gift to all of you. Um, so I'll, I'll share this little, I can share something, right, Ryan? Yep. Share the, this PowerPoint or this little uh, document with you and I can, I can share it along to everybody if you want it later. Okay, so here's, here's just three things. There's many things I learned in 2020 and I'm still learning because we still got this last month and I'm really hoping that December behaves because we don't need anything more to come from December. Um, but here's three things that I learned that I hope are encouraging to you all. People value familiar over fancy. I think I really learned that in this year in a really powerful way because when I got curious about what it meant to connect with people in this unusual space, so you're all in a different context of what that looks like for you. But for me, we don't have a church worship center. This building that I'm in right now is the one building our church owns and it's an office that has just enough space to, to film some, some recorded worship services, that's it. And so what did I, I, I had a lot of wondering about that. What, what are the questions that people are gonna be asking in this time and how are they gonna connect and what is this gonna look like? And all of a sudden we're putting ourselves up there next to some of these big churches that have production budgets that are through the roof. And what I really learned quickly is that, especially in a crisis, people really value familiar over fancy. They just wanted to know, oh, that's my pastor. Oh, that's the, the person that leads that ministry at my church. I'm seeing their face, I'm hearing their voice. And the, the, the in way that that encouraged people in this time, I think was so significant and continues to be that. And so I just want to, to say that I feel like that proves this point of what I just said of, it's not about it being flashy and it's not about it being perfect. And it's certainly not about uh, trying to pick up some a bunch of things that you have no idea how to do, but maybe picking one thing and discovering how to get to, to get to people in one way and then just being authentic and being yourself. So for example, one of the things that I tried was just doing what I'm calling pastoral service announcements. And all I do is I get my phone, my iPhone and I, and I look at the, the camera and I talk to the camera for a minute because on a lot of these things, you know, they, they don't want you to talk too long. The video is only a minute long. And I just give one, give everybody just one encouraging word for in one minute. And I called it a pastoral service announcement. Now I had no idea if that was gonna do anything, but I got curious about it. And I said, I wonder if that's a way that people might connect with me. And so I started putting out the pastoral service announcements every once in a while and just, just telling people, I'm thinking of you, I'm praying for you. Here's one way to, to stay mindful in this time. Here's one thing that I learned from scripture in this time. Here's one way to, to work on our anxiety in this time and connecting with people. It could be, it could not be less fancy. In fact, half of the time, and I'm still doing these pastoral service announcements on Instagram and Facebook, half the time I didn't even shower that day. I'm telling you, I did not even shower because who has time for showers in 2020 when I'm not even having to put pants on to go to work. So I, I didn't even shower. You can see, I just put a hat on and just shared my heart for a minute with people. And nothing has been more effective than my one minute non-shower encouragement moment with people. 
not a produced video where I paid someone to put a cool intro or for my name to pop up on the screen with a cool little whatever you call it. Like none of that has been as effective in my opinion as just connecting with people for a minute on a video I made on my phone uh, that may or may not show that I've got big purple bags under my eyes for how tired I am or whatever. It's just real and it's just me and just coming to, to them. And so I have spoken with many people who are parishioners of smaller churches, which of course most churches in uh, in our culture are smaller and people, the headlines are the big ones, right? But most of us lead smaller churches. I have talked to so many people who have said that if I wanted to watch a fancy service, I would have been going to this other church a long time ago. I want my pastor and my leaders and my community to feel connected, especially in a time of crisis. And perhaps the people who have bailed during this time uh, weren't there for the right reasons in the first place. And, and that connection was really important. Um, I also learned that consistency bol bolsters that sense of courage uh, that people have. So just being consistent as much as possible with things like that little pastoral service announcement idea. I've been trying to send a, a you know a, an email every week, little things saying, hey, every single week we're going to have someone that can pray with you at nine o'clock on Sunday. Here's the Zoom link. They're so small, but I actually think in the end, these are the big things. Uh, it's like you do need to sweat the small stuff because that consistency of the small stuff is what gives people courage to continue to join in, especially when, of course, many of our congregation members are feeling uncomfortable with the level of technology that's being used right now. Um, and others, it's very easy for them. And then finally, I think the thing I learned was that everything is an experiment. And this is something that we've tried to value at our church for a long time. But this year, I really learned what it means that everything is an experiment. And this is the thing that I want to encourage everybody today when it comes to what it looks like to really be curious and to ask good questions. And that is the question, just what if we tried this? <laughs> like, what if we tried something? And that is not, I have learned, a familiar uh, comment phrase in churches. We don't like to think of trying something. We think of launching something or uh, presenting something. We don't like the idea of trying because that means there could be trial and error. Uh, one of my staff members was like, I don't like trial and error. I like trial and succeed. <laughs> and I said, I hear you, but we don't learn anything from trial and succeed, do we? We learn from, maybe we shouldn't say trial and error. Let's say trial and experiment. And then we try again. Every single experiment teaches us something. And the only failed experiment is one that you don't try. If you try, if you give it a go and it doesn't go as planned, you learned something. The experiment didn't fail. It just went differently than you, your hypothesis. And just like any scientist would say, that is that is a learning in itself. And those failed experiments that didn't go as you thought, that weren't a fail, is why we have things like Silly Putty and Velcro, I think. So that's, that's because you just don't know for sure what's going to be the result of an experiment. And so I want to encourage you to think about that. What does experimenting look like? And how can the culture of your community, and maybe you're thinking about your church, maybe you're thinking about another space that you find yourself in, maybe you're even thinking about your family and your own spiritual life. But what does it look like to create a culture of experimenting? Because I think that's so connected to being a culture of people and a space that asks questions. And the tech-wise tech culture is one that is very, the tech-connected tech culture is one that is very experiment-oriented. And so if we turn our shift away from how can I know as much up front so I know that whatever we do is going to succeed to how can I try something and just see what happens and learn from it? How can I choose to try some things that are low risk, but potentially high reward and for sure high learning? This is so key in my, my opinion to how we create cultures that are very curious, that ask good questions and create space for other people's questions. 
Because if we come out putting a period at every sentence instead of a dot, 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 or a question mark, that doesn't leave space for other people to feel like they can bring their question marks or their dot, 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 I don't really know yet what to do. So as church leaders, as leaders of institutions, as people who might be leading families or many other things, what does it look like to just say, hey, we're gonna try something and see what happens. And so we've tried a lot of experiments over this year. The, the best way to respond to a terrain that you have no idea how to, you know, uncharted territory, as people have said, um, unprecedented, uncharted, pivoting, all those words need to be stricken from the record in 2021. I never wanna hear them again. But that's the reality, right? That we are in a time that is so uncharted. And so all the books that gave us the, so to speak, like the, the map to, to how to get through something, it doesn't work anymore. I don't know how many times I made that joke that we all make, oh, they didn't teach me that in seminary. Didn't you just make that joke every year of the first few years after seminary? Well, that I just feel like, man, I had no idea what I was joking about until 2020. Now we're in the things I did not learn anything in seminary about. Now we're in a spot where I have no idea. And so experimenting felt like the only option. Let's just try something and see what happens. And so we tried a few different experiments and I wanna share one with you because I think it could be helpful. And then I'll give you guys to, to see if there's any questions about it. But my biggest question, my biggest curiosity was how do we keep people connected even though we're moving online? And my church has been mostly online this entire time since we don't have a church building. And so the, the, this is the experiment and I'll share with you how it went. The experiment that we decided to do, we call digital neighborhoods and living rooms, all right? And what I learned when I was thinking about this was we were going through the book of Acts and this phrase stuck out to me in Acts 8, 1 through 4. Forced to leave home base, the follow, this is the, the message translation, the followers of Jesus all became missionaries and wherever they were scattered, they preached the message about Jesus. And I never read that passage in the same way as I did in 2020. What does it look like for people to have to be forced to leave home and be scattered if home base has been our, our church buildings, what does it look like? Uh, I just loved that. So what I did was I figured out, well, where do my people live? I'm just going to confess to you right now that I never put it on a map until now. I never did. It. I just never did it. Our, our church is 12 years old. We're not that much of a baby church anymore, but young compared to a lot of your churches. But, but I had never put all of our people on a map to see where are they. And look how much they spanned. The, this is the, the uh, picture of Minneapolis and St. Paul. Uh, look how far they spanned around. The, these are my, my, my intentional high participation folks. And so I said, well, what? okay, this, this is what gave us the idea for this experiment. What if we connected them digitally with people who actually live geographically near them? And I'd never done that before. Maybe you had for years, I don't know. I'd never done that before. I'd never said, hey, do you know that you all live next to each other? I never had so many people say, wait a second, I run by your house. I know where you live. And we connected them up in uh, 10 little digital neighborhoods, we called them. And we said, okay, well, they're living rooms. What's that mean? Well, we're going to put you in a Zoom room, just like we're in now. And that's going to be your digital neighborhood. If you want to do it, it's not, it's an experiment. So just jump in if you want to try. And then we'll break you up into smaller groups that we'll just call little living rooms because we can't be in anyone's physical living room right now. And then when it got warm, you know, the summer, you could be with other people from your neighborhood. And so you would break out into your little living rooms. And we had some people who coordinated the neighborhood and then some hosts who would go out in the living room with them in the little breakout. And this is what we would do. We would just say, okay, well, we're gonna have prayer on Zoom at nine. The worship service is gonna be on Facebook Live at 10. Lots of hiccups with the online Facebook, just like everyone else. Um, but then we're gonna let you go into your specific Zoom room with your digital neighborhood at 11 and uh, break out into your living rooms. And we gave some people some discussion questions, very simple discussion questions and just said, hey, if you want to try this out, join us. And here's the things that I knew were uncertain 
but felt clear at the same time. We're, we're, we're facing uncertain future, but here's what felt clear. The Holy Spirit is still leading, just like the Holy Spirit led the church in Acts, that this experiment would actually help us determine how can we not be so dependent on a building for gathering because we didn't have one. Uh, I, I saw that my leaders were wanting to try something because they were feeling desperate, just like I was. So it was something that they could try. And uh, I feel like it helped people see that, hey, if we can connect with each other um, physically or uh, online, then we might be able to someday be in living rooms together in ways that we never had before as like a future picture of what it could look like. Um, so let me, let me skip to this. 10 weeks in, this is what happened. Out of the 300 people in our community, 350 people, 200 people meaningfully, meaningfully connected with the, with the digital neighborhoods. Uh, the hosts kind of, I asked them to just give some feedback. Um, and you can see it was pretty good feedback about helping people feel connected. Uh, people would want to try to do it again in the fall and it, how they felt about the experience. And there were some really amazing things that happened. And I will say I learned a lot, but the maybe the most important thing that I learned was how deeply people wanted these relationships and these connections right now, that they would overcome some things like Zoom fatigue and other things to do that. And so that was 10 weeks in, and now here we are a few months later still now into the winter and people are still, this is the, the most connected way I've ever seen people connect in our community, I think because of that sense of, of felt need. Um, so if, if you're interested in this specific topic, I, I just put all this stuff together on a link so you can just text this number, um, but this was an experiment. And there was like 10 other experiments that went very differently, but we learned from every single one of them. And that to me is at the core of what it means to be people who are curious and to create a, a culture that asks questions, that is curious, and that doesn't always put a period at the end of the sentence, but says, what if we tried this? And I don't know what God's gonna do with the connections that people have made in the digital neighborhoods, but I feel hopeful about what that might look like post the pandemic. So yeah, that's, that's one experiment that I, I love to share with y'all. Well, thanks, Steph. I know we have a few questions for you in the, the Zoom chat. Uh, Susan was was uh, wondering um, about being a part of an in-person church where everyone in their home would be uh, relative to the church. It was a physical living map and a great thing to help them connect geographically. Actually, so Susan's is just a comment, is a comment yeah. that uh, that type of approach you took with the experiment was very helpful for her congregation and helping cool. to map out kind of the, the, the boundaries of the neighborhood that they served. So great. And then uh, we have a question from Bill too. Bill was wondering about the percentage of your congregation that was non-Zoom savvy and, and how you approach that. Oh, that's a good question. I mean, my guess is probably 50%. Um, so it was a learning curve for a lot of people. And some of those folks who were the best at hospitality had to learn too. They wanted to be those hosts, but they had no idea how to use Zoom. And so it was a lot of finding the people who are good at good at it and good at helping other people and making connections between those people. Didn't have to just be me. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for sharing uh, your expertise with us, Pastor Steph. I have linked to your book in the Zoom chat. I've also linked to your Instagram account. And I guess one other question for you, how do you determine uh, with all these social media channels out there, how do you determine the best place to share all of these uh, non-shower encouragement videos that you're creating? My advice to people is whatever, whatever one feels most natural to you. And so if, and also just pick one, I just encourage people to pick one. I think there's this tendency to feel like we need to be on all the things, but you don't have to be on all the things. Pick the one that makes the most sense to you. I know that the limitation is that not everyone you're trying to reach might be on that 
on that venue, but I would just think that it, you're more likely to actually put it into action when you just pick one lane, whatever feels most natural to you. I like Instagram because I like pictures and videos and uh, it's pretty easy because Instagram and Facebook are the same company now. It's pretty easy to connect those to each other as well. Um, just by Googling it, you can probably figure that out. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm gonna give you a, a, a clap emoji from, from Zoom here. I uh, appreciate you taking the time to share your expertise. Yeah, and thanks for this. This is fantastic. I hope everyone gets it.